Paul's letter to the Ephesians 2 4-10. Brethren, God who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and made us sit with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. The foundational concept in this passage is about what God has done. Secondary to this is the idea that for which man is responsible. The first and incredibly compound sentence of this passage identifies that which God has done for mankind. God, because He is merciful, because He loves mankind with a great love, brought mankind out of death and into life. Paul's use of two terms here is particularly interesting. His use of the words alive and dead cannot be understood in the physical sense. Paul adds the phrase, through our trespasses immediately following his use of the word dead. Referring back to Adam's original sin, God warned Adam of the consequences of eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. In the day that Adam ate of that tree, he would surely die. And while Adam did not physically drop dead when he ate of the tree, he did, as God had warned, immediately die. When Adam disobeyed, the book of Genesis tells us that he immediately saw that he was naked. Summarily speaking, with Adam's disobedience came the loss of God's grace upon him. Even though Adam and Eve were physically naked from the moment of their creation, they were clothed in the glory of God. But when they sinned, they lost that covering and immediately understood what had happened. When they lost that covering, they tried to make their own but being sinful and immature, they could not appropriately do so. God intervened and initiated the sacrificial system. God sacrificed animals and created coverings for them so that they would not feel exposed. This first sacrificial act was the beginning of something or someone dying to cover for the sins of mankind. This sacrificial ritual became the norm for mankind up until the crucifixion and death of Jesus Christ. Jesus, being the archetype of the sacrificial system, rendered animal sacrifice immaterial. No longer was there a need for a bloody sacrifice to cover man's sins. Instead, the death of Jesus Christ would cleanse mankind of sin, freeing him from the power of death and once again covering him with the grace of God. This is to what Paul refers when he speaks of mankind being dead in his sins and becoming alive again in Jesus Christ. But the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the cleansing of man's sins was not the final act on God's part to restore man. Not only was man cleansed, he was also lifted up and seated with Christ. When Jesus Christ became the God-man, this was an act that would never be undone. Jesus Christ, now the Theanthropo, will always be the God-man. And man, dying to the old ways of bloody animal sacrifice under the headship of Adam, has died with Jesus and has risen to new life with Jesus as the new covenantal head. This restoration and ascension is not a mere return to the Garden of Eden. When Adam was first placed in the Garden, he was given the responsibility to tend and keep it. He was also given the responsibility of taking dominion over the whole world. How this dominion would have manifested is not exactly known but it would have been some sort of expansion on the Garden of Eden, either by simply enlarging the Garden until it covered the entire world or by starting multiple gardens, spaced out across the entire globe. Either way, Man had the job of taking dominion and that is the place that man found himself with his own death and resurrection in Jesus Christ. Now that man has been resurrected with Jesus Christ, he now has the responsibility to take dominion of the world. The next part of Paul's explanation shows the permanence of man's new state. In the coming ages, as Paul states, God will continue to reveal the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Jesus Christ. 
Paul is telling us that Jesus Christ, as the covenant head of mankind, will be in that position forever and because of His work of restoring mankind into a right relationship with Jesus Christ, God will forever see us as cleansed and forgiven because of that sacrifice. The only reason that mankind has been restored back to a right relationship with God is because of Jesus' redemptive work. Paul goes on to explain that we have been saved and redeemed because of God's grace. Our being saved from our bondage to sin and death is because of God's mercy toward us. We did nothing to deserve this gift of eternal life. It was not something that we earned, it was, instead, a completely free gift. The fact of our being given eternal life is not a question. There was nothing done that could be boasted of on man's part. Paul closes the passage with a reminder that man, even though he has been given eternal life as a completely free gift from God, it is not a matter of once saved, always saved. The fact of Jesus' redemptive does not buy man a get-into-heaven-free card. Jesus' universal and comprehensive redemptive work is not a guarantee of eternal bliss but it is a guarantee of eternal life. Every single human being will live forever but the nature of his eternal state is his own responsibility. As Paul says, God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works. This is a lifestyle man was created to walk in. As all men have been given eternal life through the work of Jesus Christ, all men have the responsibility to form their souls into the image of Jesus Christ. As man strives after holiness and seeks to form every thought, word and deed as an act of love, he will be more and more like Jesus Christ, shaping himself into a state of heart and mind to glory in the holiness of God. But those who do not seek after holiness, who do not seek to love God and love their neighbor, will shape themselves into something antithetical to the love of God and for them, eternal life will not be bliss but will be miserable, as wickedness will find the holiness of God a torment. Thinking back to the original mandate given to Adam, that he was to take dominion over the earth, Mankind needs to understand that he too has the same responsibility. God has sacrificed his only son to bring mankind back into a right relationship with himself. Now it is man's responsibility to live lives of love and gratitude. Love needs to be the standard for the life of man. Man was created to do good works and it is man's responsibility to understand that and to live that out to the best of his ability in whatever situation he finds himself. So while eternal life is man's state since the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Doing good works is man's responsibility to that incredible gift. God has acted and man needs to respond appropriately to the free gift of eternal life. It is by loving God and loving one's neighbor that man can begin to act.